Sports Daily with Tanaga Mundwa and Itumeleng Banda, Monday to Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. I'm Paul McLuhanek, raising an analyst on this show is on the other side of the phone line, and I can tell you, he was one of those dudes who were up super early in the morning to, to watch the Proteus fumble the bag. The Netherlands and Paul, good morning. Good morning, guys. How yeah. are you? Yeah, listen, I'm fantastic, and Paul. If it weren't for an Thank Arsenal you. win, I would say commiserations, but I know that this weekend has somewhat no, guys, balanced guys, itself guys, out. Guys, my melan, my melan. Mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon just went, Sunday afternoon to evening, and even this morning just went down like a train. <laughs> Arsenal wins, United loses because of Unai Emery. Thank you. Oh, goodness. Spurs get smacked. Guys, it was nice. And then I woke up to the Kansas City Chiefs just doing their business in the NFL. That's brilliant. what I won. Absolutely that's, brilliant. That's the stuff I won. Yeah, so even Love when you're losing, you're, you're still winning, man. <laughs> Your week has started off on the right note. Love that for you. Yeah, no, it has. It has. It, has. it looked like it was going a bit pear-shaped at some point, didn't it? Um, at least as it pertains to our national sides. Uh, the Springboks <sighs> were disappointing. Are you up very early on in Port to watch the Proteas? Yeah. And, um, yeah, obviously, yeah. I didn't watch Obviously, it. After watching, after watching the spring box, you were like, hey guys, I've got like four hours to sleep so I can watch these guys play. And then you wake up and then you, I think I knew within about three overs that it wasn't going to be our day. I just thought they could turn it around. What, why was that? What did you see in those three overs? So, the, like, I'm, I'm in my, like, I'm in South Africa, right? And they're in Adelaide. I don't know how they didn't see that the pitch was dry. They said the pitch was dry, but they don't play like the pitch was dry. They, they did two things. First, they decided to bowl first, which you wouldn't do on a pitch that's been used before. You always want to be uh, batting first on a used pitch because batting gets worse. So that was, like, number one. I was like, okay, this is weird. But then I realized, okay, maybe... But then, obviously, at the end, in hindsight, I was like, okay, no, the, the, the batters weren't confident. They didn't want to concede. They didn't want to put up 130 and have themselves in a whole lot of trouble trying to chase themselves out of the game, uh, keep uh, bowl themselves into the game. So that was one. I was like, okay, this is a little bit weird because we should be batting first. Then I look at the team list, and I'm like, wait, there's no it, – it's a used pitch. It looks as dry, bone dry. The sun is shining beautifully in Adelaide, like it always does in Adelaide. Why aren't you taking in a second spinner? We're still persisting with this four-seam attack. Why? And we got carried away with the four-seam attack, and that's pretty much what cost us, because our seamers couldn't find the right length. They couldn't, they couldn't bowl well. And they were being taken apart by conditions where if you bowled it short and you bowled it short and quick, it would come out like a loopy tennis ball. And most of the times it did. And so I was sitting there going, okay, in those first three overs, I saw Kakiso. Kakiso was having a bad time. But when Lungi started getting chonked around, I was like, okay, this is not, this is not good. Um, they just went buttoned up with the ball. And as that innings went on, I even thought they were going to bowl Aiden Markham four overs because you had to hide one-year bowlers. But what captain are you to not even try Lumi or Kakiso, even though they're having a bad day in the back end? And so it was really tough. Um, and, and, I, I, and that's where I was like, okay, this team's not buttoned up today. However, unlike other World Cup tournaments, ah, our batting can take us, can, can, can break games. We've got game breakers in this team with the bat. And to a certain extent, I realized why they decided to bowl first. They're not confident. They, weren't, they were very tentative in getting, that, in, in getting to that total. And then when they realized that they needed to be aggressive, 
they had already lost too many uh, wickets to be aggressive. And they didn't want to go back to the old school of last year where it was, let's go to 15 overs, let's reassess, um, hoping that we're only three down by 13 with one of the top six in, and then see what we can get from there. And it just never worked out. Um, um, Netherlands bowled really well. They used the change of pace really well, where South Africa were trying to bomb them out. And yeah, like you, you just you have a feeling, and that feeling was there. And normally, when Africa lose out on a World Cup or get knocked out of the World Cup, things happen that are just like, oh no. And there were a lot of oh no moments in that first inning. But um, Paul, I just want to know: we can't be talking confidence well into a competition. Come on now, that can't always be the situation when we talk about the Proteas. So. And, and maybe, and I'm going to talk about this later on my podcast, but like maybe my thing is, did they plan for the tournament? Did they let the players know that we have to split one of India and Pakistan? That they understand that losing to Pakistan on Thursday was an anomaly. And it, does, it wasn't a reflection on who they were as batters. Because that batting lineup is the strongest one in this tournament. Like nobody can come up to, probably England, but like, Guys, nobody can come up to that batting unit. That batting unit is great. But I don't... It felt like there was something mental because it was like, one, why don't you lead? Because every team... So here's the thing. The stats say that every team, every T20 international game that's played at Adelaide, eight out of ten times, the team that bats first wins the game. Why are we trying to do something different when you have a batting lineup like this? Unless they have lost their confidence because the, the, the thing from Timber was no, we wanted to blow them away with the ball but you can blow them away with the bat and, and, and so, so, so it's my thinking is these guys just weren't confident like did they, did they not know that losing to Pakistan wasn't the end of the world that even if it feels like it's a must win game against the Netherlands that it's actually a game we were planning on winning and we needed to win. And when we planned for this tournament, this was a game that we knew was going to be go down like this, but make sure that you come out with the win because if you don't do it here, you're not going to lose it. So I don't know where yeah. it entered, but like it feels to me like, ah, no, these guys are, Paul, this batting unit doesn't feel right. I'm, I'm quite surprised because I, I had no idea that the confidence of that Proteus team was this fragile to a point where they lose a game via Pakistan all of a sudden. Uh, these top these top batsmen who you say are probably the best of this tournament all of a sudden feel like they're not up to the task. Uh, that's surprising to me. I mean, I was confident after that loss to Pakistan because you've said it on this show. It's something you always say. No team has won all their games to go on and win the championship, right? Or win the title, win the World Cup, whatever the case mm. is. So I thought they were in that knowledge as well, that there was going to be one they lose. And if there was one to lose, that was the right one to lose. Also, we can't ignore the DLS, right? It rained in that game, yeah. making things even more difficult. So mm. are we... Are we I mean, the confidence thing, I, I hear you on that, but it's just surprising to me that they can be so low so, in confidence after one game, which they, could, which they could afford to lose. This Netherlands game, they couldn't, but it's a game that they were expected to win even still. So Mark said in the press conference that their energies were low. And he says this a lot when they lose. And it's a problematic thing for me because in a spot, after you lose to Pakistan, or any team that loses a game before, you come out guns blazing the next game. You come out 
energy is high, you try your best, even if you're up against it, you come up against you, you come up with that energy. And so for me, my question was, it goes down to the coaching and the planning. Because sure, A, as a coach, you need to get your players up for any game. It's easier for the bigger games. It's harder for the for, for games like the Netherlands. But this game became quite important. So it was really worry. It, it's always been worrying for me that Mark always comes out with that excuse because that means he's not doing his job. And I've always said it when it comes to these tournaments, even last year, they didn't plan well because against Australia in the first game, how can you not come? How can you come to a press conference and tell me you did not know what target you needed to set? In the first game of the World Cup, you watch games being played at this venue, and you come and say, "Oh no, we just didn't know." It's insane. It's insane. So, 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 so to me, it's a, it, it it seems to me like it's a lack of preparation from management side to get them up for this game, to g them up, to give them the strategies. It's kind of was like, guys, take a couple of days off. You'll come back on Saturday. Go out. Come back on Saturday night. We're playing on Sunday. Here's the team for for. For, 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 for Saturday, uh, for Sunday, and we, we've announced the team on, on Friday morning, and you guys can go with your families and come back and play. There wasn't, it felt like there wasn't a, a, a team strategy meeting the night before because the way they were burning, it felt like it wasn't. Even though the way we, which we, the toss decision, we're like, huh? Did you guys discuss this? And how did you end up here? Because even against Pakistan, the problem with Pakistan is that we lost the toss. Had we won the toss, we won the game. Because in Australia, you bat first. Unless if you're in Perth, but that's another story. Yeah, all right. Uh, India lost to South Africa. Guess what they did after they lost to South Africa? They bounced back and they won. Uh, teams lose at World Cups. It's not surprising. Um, it's a decision-making for me from the leadership group, to your point, Mpo. Again, I didn't watch the game. I, I saw the results and thought, well, okay, that's that then. Uh, we'll leave it there. <laughs> um, but the leadership group really has to be held accountable here in terms of the decision-making at the toss, right? And remember when we had conversations about... Um, about uh, uh, former captain, out now. Well, his name has left me. I'm thinking Faf. Faf. Yes, yes, thank you. When we had conversations about Faf and how we crucified him on this show for his decision-making, particularly at the toss, right? Mm. The fact that he wasn't making the right decisions, and that was one of the things that ultimately, I think, maybe led to, you know, whatever happened at the end. But even still, it's strange to me. Uh, let's just lastly talk about Zimbabwe and Paul. Uh, obviously, a side that you love, I love, obviously. Um, just your thoughts. How, how will they feel leaving this World Cup? At some point, you and I had a conversation after they won that game uh, v Pakistan that, oh, maybe Zimbabwe could creep in here. Obviously, it wasn't the case, but what do you think the feeling in the camp will be after this World Cup? Um, I was actually sitting, I was sitting, having dinner on Friday night with the Zimbabwe Women's International. Um, and it was so great because, and she was at the, the Women's World Cup qualifiers in WA. They just missed out on qualification for the World Cup. And there's a feeling of pride uh, around Zimbabwean cricket, men's and women's. There's a feeling of accomplishment with his men's side that they managed to get one of their senior sides into a World Cup, a, a massive win against Pakistan, which will never be forgotten for a long time. But it's kind of brought them back in to say that, hey, we don't have that many resources, but with the little resources we have, we can still cause upsets and we can still be at the top table of world cricket. And 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 it's a couple of changes. They changed the the, the men's coach, they changed the women's coach and uh, um and, and, and Houghton's been really good. Dev Houghton's been really, really great for them. And they just need to build on this. It's a it's a situation of yes, we've been here, we've been at the big dance. Let's try to get to the other big dance next year, which is the twenty twenty three World Cup, which is possible. 
because you've got qualifiers and Zimbabwe will be in those qualifiers against the self-same teams that they're playing in the qualifiers against, the Netherlands, the Ireland and everybody else and possibly even the West Indies who, whose cricket has taken a massive step back. And, and for me, that's the thing. Now it's now trying to get Zimbabwe playing more cricket around the world, going on more tours, getting into the Super League situation, getting into the World Test Championship because they are a former full member and, and, and it's moving from there. It's been a great journey for them. And I think, I don't think they thought come in September that they would be in the Super 12s. So that's a massive achievement on its own because they haven't been playing regular cricket like the other associate peers. The Zimbabwe men's side has been largely dormant for the year. And they only came back now because they had to do the qualifiers. Then they had to go into the, the World Club qualifiers. Um, and, and they had to, 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 to play. And then there was a lot of things. Guys were retiring. Guys were leaving. It wasn't a great space. Now it is. And so can they build on this? And I'm hoping they do because even in the women's side, with the, there's an under-19 World Cup here happening here next year. Zimbabwe ladies are here, going to be playing here. That's something. You know, it's, it's the first time in Zimbabwe cricket where you've got like three really good teams vying in World Cup qualification, vying for World Cups, looking for World Cups, and, and it's something great. And that gold kit, that gold kit's a World Cup kit. And now every Zimbabwean cricketer wants to wear that gold kit because they only wear it at World Cups. Yeah, 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 absolutely correct. Listen, Paul, we wait. But you, so you say that Zimbabwe leave with the whole sense of pride. South Africa, on the other hand, um, constantly choking when it comes to World Cup. How then do we recover from something like this? Look, guys, the team has to break that C word. They have to do it themselves. It, it's in their heads, mentally. I don't know what's going on, but anyway. But coach is gone. That was Mark Boucher's last game. So congratulations to him. Timber's probably not going to be made captain, depending on who they bring in. Um, as, as a new coach, which means we get to start again with someone with a different philosophy, with a different mentality, and see if we can't try conquer the world doing this. Um, but to a certain extent in the Bauterrain, we ended up going back to the same old, same old South African style of cricket that gets us knocked out of games by being stubborn and hard-headed and thinking that, um, A, our bowlers are great, um, and, 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 and our fast bowling will always carry us through when it's not the case. And so, yeah, um, it depends on who they select as the new coach, what they're going to do. I say they need to split the coaching. So you have a test coach and you have a limited overs coach. Um, different styles. Get, get, get. Enoch's got some great ideas about how to play T20 cricket. I think he's one, he was, before he moved on and went to the protest, he was one of the best limited overs coaches. If you watch how the Lions turned their season around in limited overs cricket last year, they were horrible in T20, but they won the CS, the ODI Cup. And that was the way, when the time they brought Enoch and Quay into that dressing room as a, as a, as a consultant to, to Andy Leguavu. Enoch's got some great ideas. He knows the, the type of cricket we should be playing. I'd like to see that cricket because I haven't seen that cricket. I'd like to see the protest playing that cricket. Because I've only seen it at, at the Jersey Stars and it was successful. Yeah. I'd like to see it at a national level. Yeah, I suppose there's a longer conversation to be had here about Mark Boucher and, and what history will say about his time as the coach of the Proteas and Paul, but we'll possibly squeeze that in at a later stage. Thank you so much. We wait for your podcast a little bit later on today. I'm quite excited to hear your thoughts across this uh, World Cup and a whole host of issues and Paul. Sports Daily, every Monday to Friday, 6 to 9 a.m.